your shining beacons, Lord, in the Rochester area there. And so we do this in the name of Jesus today. God is good. He's your good Father. And his blessing is upon you. Hallelujah. Anybody else have anything there else? To, yeah. As you go, where you live, may people see Jesus and the light in you, and they will be drawn to you because of the light and the anointing that's on your life and your children. We just believe and receive that. And where there's two more gathering in your name, we agree. We agree. And we thank you. The blood has covered them. Amen. Lord of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I will be working at the, at the Mayo Clinic in the surgical department um, in the core there, basically making sure all the, making sure every room is, is prepared for, for the next surgery and getting all the instruments ready and decontaminated and, and all that good jazz. And you'll be alive. that comes through there. Amen. Your anointing is upon them. Yeah. And you will pass it yeah. to them. No accident. Praise God. Father, yeah. thank you for Ryan, for Damien, and for the new one, baby coming. Father, we cover them with your presence, oh Lord. Yes, we do. They are going to grow like kids who see God and who hear God. Father, our prayer is that as these kids sleep, as they make new friends, as they go to school, oh God, that your angels will accompany them, oh God. We close their eyes to evil, oh God. We close their ears to evil, oh God. And we decree today, oh God, that they will only see you. They will only hear you. They will only dream dreams that you have given them, oh Lord. Reveal yourself to each one of them, oh God. In their young age, O oh God, use them to proclaim your goodness. Yeah. Father, they will be stronger, smarter, faster than their generation, O oh God. In speech, in wisdom, in understanding, in love. Mm. Father, no other kids around them, O oh God, will overtake them. Mm. Because your spirit dwells in them. That's right. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. Just in case I don't see after it. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Baby, you obey your mom. Hallelujah. At this time, we will release our children to Children's Church. That's nursery through fifth grade, I believe. And let's greet each other in the name of the Lord, okay? Give each other a handshake or a holy hug or. 
And Peter, if you'd come up this way, wherever you are. Good morning. All right. So, as you know, we, uh, we don't pass the, the plate around here at 10th Street Community Church. We have boxes in the back um, for our ties, but we do like to um, say a prayer over our giving and to um, spend a few moments just thinking about um, how God gives to us, how he blesses us. Um, and to kind of help us think about that, I'm just going to read for us uh, 2 Corinthians 9.10, uh, which reads, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So, Father, we just pray that um, the words of this verse, that that generosity that you increase in us, just as you cause the seeds in the ground in the spring to rise up, um, not by magic, but by the things that you have placed on this earth, in the same way you have created good ground in each of us, when you saved us and we became new men and women in Christ, you made new ground here. So let those things that you cause to grow up, grow up in us, generosity, peace, and patience, as we go out into the world, that those things would be a good fruit and a good harvest for the world. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, there is no fellowship meal today, but there is a coffee time, and there's quite a bit there. Actually, Jim and Sandy Williamson are sharing cake and other reception food from a service where they renewed their wedding vows after 50 years of marriage. I think that was just yesterday, and it was in the church that they were married in, I believe, in the city. So congratulations to Jim and Sandy. And, um, but then that'll be out to the service, a coffee fellowship time. And also just heads up, Gerald Durstein, well, how do we describe him? He's a, a man of God that the Lord used for initial parts of what our, was called the charismatic movement, 1955. And uh, God moved upon him and the church that he was in, a Mennonite church uh, over by Strawberry Lake, Ogama, Minnesota. And wonderful things happened there. And the Lord told him that he would be going all around the world with the gospel, and that has happened. Joyce and I met with him last fall, and we could see there was a new fire there. Um, and uh, he says that the Lord has given him now a word for the church in this, this hour. And uh, he's going to be sharing that here. And I believe he's 90 years old, or he's near, nearly 90. <clears throat> and he has a new wife. His wife, Beulah, passed away a few years ago. His wife, Shirley, will be with him on that day. So, and just, just a heads up on that, on that particular Sunday, we will, not for our own tithes and offerings, but for Gerald, I believe we're probably going to be passing the plate for an offering for him that day and his ministry there. That's on June 24. And you, you see, um, we're, we're moving right along with our building fund. I believe it's in July that they're going to start working on the building 
uh, some restoration things and some completion, a few completion things actually too. Uh, we're moving along. There's about ten and a half thousand left from thirty-five thousand. So we're just believing each week it keeps going down, down, down. Hallelujah. Sooner rather than later, right? Um, so I have a couple quotes from Joyce's mom's book again here that we found in the house. Uh, this one's from Ron Burke of San Marcos, Texas. The minister was having difficulty preparing a particular sermon. He said to himself, maybe the Holy Spirit will tell me what to say on Sunday morning. When at last he stood bef silently before the, his congregation, he turned to the Holy Spirit for guidance. A celestial voice said to him, Tell the people you are unprepared. <laughs> okay, St. Francis of Assisi. If you, O servant of God, are upset for any reason, whatever, you should immediately rise up to prayer and you should remain in the presence of the Most Holy Father for as long as it takes for him to restore you to the joy of your salvation. Mm, good word from Brother Francis of Assisi. Well, we're going to look at a message here today. Peter's going to help me this morning as he did a few weeks ago there. This is a, a message that's I said it's been in the on-deck circle for several weeks. We just haven't gotten to it, but here it is, I believe, is the day. And it's I'm talking about servanthood. We call it humble servant encouragers. And uh, we've been talking about this off and on for some weeks now. The summary of it would be, when I submit my self-focused ways to God's loving way, I will encourage others and I will experience true life and real joy myself. Now, as far as past messages that flow into this one, um, parts one and two, you, there's audio uh, available of those on our new Ten Strike website, or you can go to SoundCloud, our Ten Strike website. It's tenstrikechurch.com, and uh, you can catch up there. And also, when appropriate, we put I put the notes of messages on our Facebook page, so you can see them. So you don't necessarily have to take, you can take notes if you like, but they will be there. The thing is, the Holy Spirit can bring you things that aren't necessarily in these notes too. Because he's the, he's the teacher, he's the real teacher. But just refreshing our thoughts as far as vision and direction for us as a church family, our goals, focus, and vision, our slogan is every believer is a minister of God's love. Our symbol is the lighthouse, or the light to the nations. And then we have the image of the cross that shows us a mission statement that we have. It's connecting people to God, connecting people to people, and connecting people to service. Service, there's that word. So why would anyone choose to serve? Why would I choose to serve? Why would you choose to do that? 
Why would you choose to do service? Why would you choose to do things for other people? Um, don't we have enough things of our own that need to be done? Why would I choose to take the time to serve someone else? Serving in our home, the workplace, church, or wherever? Well, we are disciples or followers of Jesus. And we're empowered by his spirit to serve. And Jesus gave his life. That's, that's the first key of serving well. It's the giving of our life. And Peter, as I said, is going to help me and he's going to read this scripture now. All right. Mark 10, 42 through 45. Calling them, the disciples, to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. Uh, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many." Okay, so we see there that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And the second point is that Jesus yielded his will to the Father, a second key of servanthood. John six thirty eight, uh, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So... When we yield our will to our Lord Jesus and make our everyday decisions and major decisions based on his will, his will for us, we will have success in our lives when we yield to his will. Our life will function in God's blessing and favor. We will be empowered to succeed and prosper in this life the thing is that our Lord is the Alpha and the Omega. He knows all. He knows everything. He knows, he knows it. He knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for you. Oftentimes in our daily lives, what is true wisdom or knowing what to do and then doing it goes beyond our current understanding of the situation. It's kind of like it is with our children. Sometimes in their own limited understanding, they really believe that they know better than we do as parents, right? You ever experienced that? But how sweet it is when they yield their will to our word to them because they know about our great love for them and they trust us. Do you remember any times when you were younger when you wished later that you had listened to your parents concerning certain situations? Some of those things might come to your mind even now yet. I'm thinking of a few myself. But how good it is to yield because you trust them, you love them, and now to our Father God. But here's some words of Jesus describing the benefits of living his way rather than my way. 
Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Take up the cross and follow him. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and his angels, and then he will reward each according to his own works. In the footnote of my Spirit-Filled Life Bible for that verse, it says, In these verses, Jesus explains the paradox of discipleship. To lose life is to find it. To die is to live. To deny myself is to put the interests of the kingdom of God first and foremost in my life. To take up the cross does not mean to endure some irritating burden like, or like sickness or poverty. That's not what that is. But to renounce self-centered ambitions. When we submit our will to God's, there can be suffering. And the truth is there will be suffering. Our flesh and car carnal mind will suffer. In fact, even Jesus, it says in Hebrews 5.8, that it tells us there that Jesus learned obedience to the things that he suffered. When our will crosses, you might say is not the same as God's, then we need to submit to his will, and the flesh doesn't like that. The flesh will suffer, and the carnal mind will, will need to line up with the mind of God. And yes, there is suffering. Sometimes that it's just the thing of bringing forth, there's going to be tribulation even when we're standing in the Word. In fact, even preaching the Word, the truth of the Word. You may have found even speaking, preaching, that God wants us to succeed and to be, do well. There can be persecution for saying that, or that he wants us well. I've experienced it myself in my life. But the thing is, we want to go according to his word and his will and stand strong. There's tribulation for the word's sake. The parable of the sower, Jesus talked about that, but that's another message we'll go some other time. The next point we want to look at is we are equipped, equipped to serve. Peter? Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So it's equipping for ministering to one another, equipping for building up one another, for serving one another, ministering to one another's needs, physical, spiritual, emotional, relational. Jesus is calling us to a whole new place, a place of experiencing the joy of living. And Jesus is calling us to a whole new way. It's God's way of looking at what a successful life really is. And according to Jesus' example, we see ourselves as both God the Father's beloved children 
and at the same time his servants. Peter? John thirteen twelve to 16. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Yes, we are God's sons and daughters, and we are also servants of our Father God, serving God by ministering to the needs of people right here on the earth in our everyday lives. Our heart's desire is to serve him, right? That's our desire. And now we're going to have a story, a true ser- story of servanthood. Peter? And this is from Sarah McCoy from Greenville, South Carolina. Early last year, my fiancé was hit by a very serious illness and had an extended rehabilitation time. We continued with our wedding plans, but once married, we faced the challenge of juggling home, school, and medical responsibilities as well as new jobs. I began to feel overwhelmed by all that I needed to accomplish in one day. A lady at work asked me if she could help us by doing our laundry. When I protested that it was a huge chore, she told me that when she and her husband were newly married and struggling, a woman had faithfully done their laundry for a year. When she asked the woman how she could repay her, she said, someday return the favor to someone else. Eventually, when my husband and I are more established, I will return that favor for another young, newly married couple so that I can be a living testimony of God's care and provision. So, acts of humbly serving someone will bring them encouragement. The person served will be encouraged. The person serving will be encouraged. Do you think people need encouragement in June of 2018? Do you sometimes need encouragement? Right now, just turn to a neighbor or somebody close to you there and just give them a word of encouragement, like, it's going to be okay, or you're going to do well. It's, it's going to work out. Just, just look at somebody. Tell them that. Yeah, actually do it. Take a moment and do that. Word of encouragement. Maybe the Lord has some other word. Okay, so Merriam-Webster Dictionary for that word encourage, it says to make someone more determined, hopeful, or confident. I guess I'll never forget the day that Dan Woodward's mom, Thora, when my dad was heading to, uh, we were dropping our kids off at her place to watch because my dad was in the ambulance on the way to Fargo and it looked like he was going to have heart surgery and I, I needed encouragement. I really needed encouragement. And she, as we were going out the door, Thora looked me in the eye and she says, Steve, your dad is going to be just fine. Your dad is going to be fine. She didn't say just. That's exactly what she said. Steve, your dad is going to be fine. And you know, that was such a word of encouragement. I needed that so much. And it brought 
hopefulness. It brought a confidence. You know, it brought me back to the Word. It got me on track, the right track again. So just, we're going to have a whole message later on on serving one another with our words. So what does true, a true servant of the Lord look like? One who brings encouragement. A true servant is one whose heart and life is given to the one that they look to as their Lord. A servant is one whose will and desires are bound to the will and desires of their Lord. And when I do acts of service, it's really for him more than even the person that I happen to be ministering to at the time. It's for my Heavenly Father. I am God's servant, and what he says goes. He has the last word, period. That's the way I want it, because I know that doing his will is what brings life and joy and encouragement, not only to other people, but it will to me as well. And we, as we mentioned before, that's in the home, in the church, in the workplace, in the school, or wherever it may be. Here's another point. New Testament servants are motivated by love-based obedience rather than law or rule-based obedience. This is important. Say this is important. This is important. When a loved and trusted master gives a command, a, ser a servant just simply has the heart they want to obey. That person doesn't waffle, doesn't hedge, doesn't debate, and then eventually give in. He has the heart to do it. He simply obeys because he loves his master. The servant knows his Lord knows what is best for him or her and for the one being ministered to, even if they don't understand it at the time. A true servant is one who has learned to override self-focused feelings and submit his or her will to the desires of the master. Submitting it to the desires of the master. Parents do this all the time. They truly love their children and they put their needs before their own not because of law but because of love so true spiritual service versus false fleshly service thank you Lord for helping to do, us to grasp this going over a lot of stuff kind of quickly in a way but yet I believe this is the way the Lord wants us brought today true spiritual service which is love-based, must be distinguished clearly from a false fleshly works or law-based service. Or we could say from a self-righteous service. We're not talking here about serving to try to make points with God. And we're not talking about trying to impress God and getting right with Him through our serving. Now here... I'm going to go through some things that are, I largely took from Richard J. Foster's book, Celebration of Discipleship. Self-righteous service, and I believe you'll be seeing them up there as well, so you can focus that way. But self-righteous service comes through human effort, or law-based. Very tiring. 
It expends immense amounts of energy calculating and scheming how to render the service and then does it in its own strength. But true service, or you could say love-based, comes from a relationship with God. And we serve out of God-given promptings and divine urgings. You know, when he tells us to. It's not when others put the pressure, but when God shows us. Energy is expended, but it's not the frantic energy of the flesh, but the power of the Holy Spirit. Self-righteous service is impressed with the big deal. It's concerned about making impressive gains on the scoreboards. It enjoys serving, especially when the service is big and noticed. But true loving service, it finds it, it almost impossible to distinguish the small from the large service. Where a difference is noted, the true servant is often drawn to the small service, not out of false modesty, but because he genuinely sees it as just as important. He welcomes all opportunities to serve. Third area, self-righteous service requires external rewards. It needs to know that people see and appreciate the effort. It seeks human applause with proper religious modesty, of course. True service rests contented in hiddenness. It does not fear the lights and attention, but does not seek them either, since it is living out of a different center of reference, and that's love for God and His will. The divine nod of approval is completely sufficient. Fourth focus, self-righteous service is highly concerned about results. It eagerly awaits to see if the person served will reciprocate in kind. It becomes offended and even sometimes bitter when the results fall below expectations. But true, loving service is free of the need to calculate and log results. Now, again, remember, this is in the home, this is in the workplace, this is in the church, or wherever the Lord has us. Hallelujah. It eagerly awaits to see if the person served will reciprocate in kind. Did I read that already? It becomes often bitter when results fall below expectations. Maybe we need to hear that again. A true service is free of the need to calculate and log results. It simply delights in the service. It can serve enemies as well as friends. Self-righteous or law-based service picks and chooses whom it serves. Sometimes the high and powerful are served because that will ensure a certain advantage like brownie points, or sometimes the low and defenseless are served because that will ensure a humble image. Noting the motives is so important, but true loving service does not discriminate in its ministry. It has heard the command of Jesus to be the servant of all. Brother Francis of Assisi notes in a letter, being the servant of all, I am bound to serve all, and to administer the healing words of my Lord. Note again there, serving with words. More on that some other time. Self 
Righteous service is affected by its moods and whims. It can serve only when there is a feeling to serve or when it feels like serving. Inconvenience and other druthers control the desire to serve. So and so, can you serve on this in this way? Well, I'm too busy is often a very quick response. The fact is, we're all busy. We're all too busy if we're too busy. Think about that a little bit. So, true service ministers simply and faithfully because there is a need. It knows and is aware that not having the feeling to serve can often be a hindrance to service. The service determines the feelings rather than allowing the feeling to control the service. By the way, these will all be posted so you don't have to, and you couldn't anyway, but these will be on our Facebook page for you to study more. Self-righteous service is temporary. It functions only while the specific acts of service are being performed. Then having served, it shuts off and demands the meeting of its own needs. Is there anybody here that wants to be to grow as a true servant of God? Think about that. I'm not asking you to raise your hands real quick. Because this is the thing that goes to our heart. Believe me, this has really made me relook and think in my own life and what I do and why I do and what I do and how I do and all that kind of stuff. True service is a lifestyle. It acts with ingrained patterns of living. It springs spontaneously to meet human need. Self-righteous service, going to aid, is insensitive to those being helped. It insists on meeting the need, even when to do so would be destructive. It demands the opportunity to help when and how it wills. But true loving service can withhold the service as freely as it performs it. It can listen with tenderness and patience before acting, and it can serve by waiting in silence. You see, this true service, the God kind of service, the Jesus kind of service, it's love-based. It's heart-based. It's not law-based. It's not me-based. Love-based is other-based, other people-based. And that's what true service is. Number nine, self-righteous service fractures community. In the final analysis, once all the religious trappings are removed, it centers its glorification of itself in the glorification of itself, the individual. Therefore, it puts others into its debt and becomes one of the most subtle and destructive forms of manipulation known, a form of controlling others, making people feel used. But true, loving service, it builds community. It quietly and unpretentiously or sincerely and honestly goes about caring for the needs of other people. It draws people towards it, it binds up, 
heals, builds up, and encourages. Peter, we have another story here. This is from uh, Karen Bott from Gory, Ontario, Canada. My oldest daughter, 15 at the time, had been hospitalized for an alarming respiratory condition. I had been at the hospital all day and night by her side, and I had two younger children who needed me too, so I made my way home at supper time. Exhausted, I walked through the door and was greeted by balloons, Chinese food, and two good friends. They just stood there and held me while I cried. I had forgotten that it was my birthday. And I was all, and I've always been grateful for this cup of cold water in Jesus' name. So true service lovingly encourages a person or a group or a community or a home, a church, workplace. It binds up, it heals, it builds up. It's known by its fruit. It does not discourage, tear apart, bring dissension or strife or condemnation. It does not. Um, Peter's going to read now some scriptures that confirm that serving others brings encouragement and building up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage and comfort one another and build up one another, just as you are doing. Romans 15.2 Let each one of us make it a practice to please or make happy his neighbor for his good and for his true welfare, to edify him or to strengthen him and build him up spiritually. Romans 15, 5 through 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. What a wonderful God we have. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. Okay, now there's another, another true story. Peter's going to share with us here. All right, and this is from Harriet Congdon from Portland, Oregon. I had just had my third baby in three years and was exhausted, angry at God, and spiritually felt dead. One day, I received a phone call from a friend who had worked with the youth group I had attended as a young college student. I had not heard from Helen in years. We had a pleasant chat, catching up on things, but I kept things cool and surfacy. Two weeks later, Helen called again to say she was coming for a visit. When she arrived, she went right to work, cleaning my whole house, doing the laundry, and cooking me meals. She slept in the same room as the baby so that when he woke up, she could feed him and not have to wake me. She let me sleep in the morning and brought me breakfast in bed. The whole week Helen was here, she ministered to me physically, giving me a chance to rest. She also began to minister to me spiritually, and God spoke through her, using her to completely change my life as I saw God's grace in a powerful way. Helen said God told her to come because I needed her. She obeyed, ministered to me, and I have never been the same since. Did you know that sometimes, and a final point here, just simply being there is such an encouragement, being there for somebody. You know, just being there through maybe a really tough time. Um... Sometimes we don't even have to do anything or even say anything. 
just our presence ministers encouragement and life to someone. And you know what? Even in a church service, being there in a service like this, just your presence encourages, strengthens, and builds up the church family. Did you know that? Just like our absence can be a discouragement. You say, well, is that scriptural? Peter has a final scripture here for us today. This is from Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. We should think about each other to see how we can encourage each other, each other to show love and do good works. We must not quit meeting together, as some are doing. No, we need to keep on encouraging each other. This becomes more and more important as you see that the final day is getting closer. And see, we're in a day of, I believe, harvest time. Jesus is saying, come, come, come to me. He's knocking at the door. Like it says there in Revelation 3.20, he's knocking. He's knock, knock, knocking on the door of our heart. There's a picture in, our, in the foyer area by the kitchen. I think it's still there above the steps of Jesus knocking on a door. And I don't see any handle on his side. It's like a thing where I have to open the door to him and he will come in and sup. It's a day and an hour like that. And it's a day that the body of Christ is raising up where we're joining together as one in the communities where we live and wherever the Lord sends us. You know, like today we're we're sending part of us the Windsors, you know, to another place. But we're still part of the same body of Christ. You know what? 10,000 years from now, we'll get to hear you sing, down to the river. Down, 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 down. I'll let you do it. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll be doing that. We're going to have, we have a thing coming up, and Kent's going to be sharing about this sometime fairly soon, too. Uh, it starts on July what is it, 12, and it's a week, and it's going to be Revive Minnesota, and there's going to be a tent. It's going to be on the Zion, uh, Mount Zion Church uh, parking lot there, a tent. But, and I'm not going to describe a lot of it. Kent can do that more later sometime, but... It's going to be a, a time of focus toward really reaching out. I know the last meeting is going to be right here at our church on a Wednesday. The, I forget the date of that. But, but anyway, we'll be getting you more information. We'll probably we'll put it in, in our announcements that we send out too. But it's that day. And now the question is then, are we his servants or are we our servants? If the Lord calls us to do something, and you see this is by love, it's not by law, it's not pressure of man, it's from God. If he calls you into a place of service, you know, then, then you receive that. I mean, then you say, yes, Lord, yes. Otherwise, he's not Lord. I'm Lord. So we need to listen to him. Susan Rock said yes to being, she's going to, become our nursery, which uh, Angela 
has done for several years now, Susan said, said, yes, I'm going to do that. And we need to support her in that. By the way, I think there are a few needs for some taking a turn in the nursery maybe too. Because some have done it for a long time and they're not doing it anymore. So it's not, this isn't a pressure stuff type thing. It's by the Spirit. It's by the Spirit and asking really Him. It's not pleasing a man. It's pleasing Him. Amen? So, hallelujah. Anything else, Lord, before we go? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So be filled anew and afresh with the Holy Spirit as we go today. You know, there's five-fold ministry that we read about. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I'm a pastor with an exhortation gift, encouragement gift. We need other people that bring the word that builds us up, that equips us as servants and ministers. We had Jill last Sunday. Next Sunday, Gus Shogren. Both of these guys have prophetic type ministries, I believe. We're going to hear from prophetic. And they're different. You know, it's different parts. All different parts. You know, your hand wouldn't work if it was just a small finger or just a thumb. It wouldn't work very well. But with all the parts, it works well. Hallelujah. And so, in Jesus' name, we receive your filling anew and afresh, Lord. By your Spirit, we do these things we serve, not by our own might or power, but by your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you would like altar ministry, there will be people up here serving as ministers to pray with you. And remember, we're having cake and Lots of stuff from the Williamson's 50th and celebrating with them, but others, a few other things as well. God bless you all. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.